Benvenuti amici. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italian. My name is Kimberly Holcomb, and you are... Tommaso, Santa's elf. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you say that because I had a buon idea earlier today. What? (laughs) A good idea, that is. For those of you who haven't come up with the perfect gift yet for Christmas, you could surprise them with a trip to Bella Italia, planned by Kimberly's Italy, of course. So if you got in touch soon, I could put together a personalized little formatted PDF with some photos that you could give to the lucky recipient of a trip to Bell Italia. That's a great Isn't idea. Isn't it? It would even be better if it were someone else because I have no idea what I'm getting you and it's the 12th oh, of right, December. I know. <laughs> non c'è problema. Anch'io, same with me. <laughs> But anyway, it's a great idea. And then, of course, you could always split the cost of the trip with whomever you're giving it to. Oh, that's, that's, that's. It's the thought that counts. Oh, sure. It's the thought that counts. (laughs) I'm buying a new Porsche. (laughs) Billing it to you. It's the thought that counts. It's yours, but I'm going to drive it. All right. I'd like to also bring up one thing about Christmas. Next week, we're not going to have an episode. We're not going to have a new episode after this one's dropped until the 27th of December. We're taking Christmas week off. Another bony day. Another bony day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everyone will be busy anyway. And then maybe on their drive home from various places, they can listen to us on December 27th. Yes. While you're still getting over that Christmas ham coma. Oh, <laughs> Ham and meat, ham, whatever. Basta, Tommaso. All right, we are carrying on with our road trip from October, and this week's episode is our last fun-filled and fabulous day in Firenze. A little catchy, right? Fun-filled, fabulous Firenze. Cute? (laughs) F-cubed. All right, so we left you with our late-night spritzes in the teeny-weeny piazza, with our friend Antoine and his buddy behind the palazzo where we were staying. So the very next morning, we went right back to the same teeny weeny piazza where we had our delicious cappuccinos each morning. I then took off to meet with yet another hotel manager where I have sent several clients over the last few years. And I told the gang I would meet them at the Ristorante for lunch. And For those of you that listened to episode 125, which detailed the jacuzzi mostra di merda, (laughs) remember what that means? (laughs) Yes. Shit show. (laughs) You will know that the property manager offered to treat us to lunch to make up for that exploding jacuzzi. We graciously accepted, so he made us a reservation at 1 p.m. at a ristorante north of the Duomo. So as I was walking there by myself in the scorching heat, I was expecting to walk into, you know, an old school type ristorante, but instead it was sleek and contemporary and filled with Italian businessmen for lunch. Yeah, it looked like a place where people met and did business for lunch. There certainly weren't many 
uh, of our types in there. People, you know, I mean, just tourists. tourists. We're ju- yes. Exactly. Right. We we're dressed pretty casually and everyone in there was dressed pretty, pretty well. Yes, very well. And to be honest, it looked expensive. So I immediately thought that the property management company is a class act to treat us to this nice place. The irony was that it was also a Bisteca Fiorentina place. <laughs> a meat place. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, just, just, I was so disappointed. I was dying for a vegetarian, ha, vegan ha, lunch. Ha. <laughs> but th- it was very upscale and it had a more modern twist. And it compared to the place the night before, it had really nice um, lighting. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> Very good point. But everyone except Kimberly was still digesting our bisteca from the night before and uh, had to have a, a discussion about what we would have. Well, you didn't have to order a bisteca Fiorentina and you did not. However, you and- Because I didn't want to nap for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> However, you and Kate shared a Parma ham appetizer and then, Tommaso, just to remind you, you had the pappardelle al sugo di cingale, which is boar. Cingale, a oh, wild yes. boar. I, Yet again, I, I probably, like for the 10th time. Well, I don't think it was 10, but it was- It cer- was up there. It was certainly more than four. You ate a lot of poor little boar. <laughs> and since they specialized in meat, or I should say the menu was meat heavy, I- had no option except to have yet another pasta. And to be honest, I think it was the only spinach and ricotta ravioli that I had the entire trip. And Oleandra had a beef carpaccio with a dressing that was made of mustard and yogurt and lime. Then a bit of arugula on top of that and parmigiano. And even though I don't eat meat... That was a very attractive plate in terms of color and design. And Beppe had a seafood risotto with basically every single thing from the ocean in it. And yet it was also, the presentation was also beautiful with mussels in their shell on the perimeter of the risotto. And little Kate had an insulata mista after that Parma ham bomb you two shared. Right? There was nothing wrong with that meat bomb. It was wonderful. (laughs) Like all the other meat bombs I had. You know what? Personally, I could not believe that all of you, all four of you, ordered meat again after the Bistecchia Fiorentina the night before. However, that's you. You do you when you're in Rome. Uh huh. It was 14 hours. When in Rome, when in Florence. Ready to go. (laughs) But in summary, it was such a lovely lunch. It was a beautiful environment. And a treat, literally and figuratively. From there, I took everyone to my absolute favorite place in Firenze, and that is Michelangelo's house, better known as Casa Buonarroti on Via Ghibellina. Mick's full name, by the way, is Michelangelo di Lodovico Buonarroti Simoni. Did you know that, Tommaso? I didn't. That's a mouthful. I'm not sure where the Simoni came into play, potentially after the family Buonarroti was well-established in society, but Simoni is indeed part of his last name. I'm very happy to stick with Michelangelo. I know, Mick, for short. (laughs) Anyway, keep in mind that that day in Firenze, it was still 
very crowded. And when we passed the Duomo on the way to lunch, all of us individually, I noticed people standing in ridiculously long lines, hordes of people everywhere. And then we had the lunch. And then when we entered Casa Buonarroti, seriously, we opened the door. There was just an older gentleman behind the welcome desk, which doubled as the ticket counter. He stood up and he greeted us in Italian. And I replied with something like, oh, I'm so happy to be back. And I explained to this man that I bring my friends every single time I'm in Firenze. He was so friendly and so happy that this is, you know, my favorite place in the city. And he explained, or almost apologized, that they're closing in an hour and five minutes. I was like, it's okay. We'll get in our- One hour, five minutes and 14 seconds. We'll get in our full share. We then paid our eight euro fee per person. Like, what a deal is that in this day and age? Eight euro per person to walk around Michelangelo's house. For one hour and five minutes. Absorb some creativity. Right. I was rubbing the walls. Oh, it was amazing. However, let me say that this building from the exterior looks like every Florentine building from the outside. They're all about five or four or five stories tall. But once you're inside Casa Buonarroti, you cannot help but think that Michelangelo went to bed every night in this building. He woke up every day in this building. He had dinner in one of these rooms. And most likely, he sat outside in that simple but beautiful cortile, the courtyard, on a hot Florentine night. Of which there are many. Exactly. (laughs) He wasn't born in this building. Actually, he wasn't even born in Florence. He was born in Caprese, like the salad, which is a minuscule, minuscule village in Arezzo. And do you know that you can go to the house of his birth? I have never been, and I think that should be on our list for our next road trip. That's that's on the bucket list. It's so small. It's so simple. I'm dying to go. Allora, Michelangelo's nephew, Leonardo, maintained this building long after Michelangelo moved to Rome in 1534. And he started this archive and collection of models, sketches, paintings, sculptures, and books that Michelangelo was influenced by throughout his very long life. There are a few of Michelangelo's pieces as well, but most importantly, it is a beautiful interior filled with artwork, color, and history. I just think sometimes when you see his work, it's also in these big spaces. Exactly. And this is very intimate. Well put, Tommaso. That is the perfect summary of this place. We stayed there the entire hour and five minutes and we saw, I kid you not, maybe eight or 10 other people taking in each room slowly, walking slowly, just as we were. And we even sat in the cortile, that courtyard, by ourselves for a good like 15 minutes. And I was going through my pictures recently. Every single picture I have from inside Casa Buonarroti does not have a single other person in it. And that says a lot. You have Cons- one. Of, you just posted one of me in Casa Buonarroti. Well, you. I mean, other tourists, right? <laughs> in the door. Right. Funny enough, I mean, you're six feet and 
clearly Michelangelo was a lot shorter because your head touched the top yeah, of that door Yeah, I was going to whack frame. my noggin if I didn't duck. <laughs> right. Anyway, I find this one of the most magical interiors to be in, and I can never, ever be in Firenze without my Casa Buonarroti fix. And, and you know, the cute part was when we left, you know, out the front door, that lovely gentleman thanked us for coming, and then he looked right at me and said, Ci vediamo di nuovo. We'll see each other again. <laughs> Wasn't that cute? He was quite old. I hope we see each other again. Yes. From there, we went back to our palazzo where we were staying and changed into our nice clothes for the art opening of our friend Lolita at Palazzo Vecchio. When you walk through a heavily touristed area and you're well-dressed like we were for that evening, you feel like you stick out like a sore thumb. But also, there was a big black tie event exactly around the other side of palazzo vecchio of palazzo vecchio so i felt like we were like oh, part of them part of part them of the, the jet set the women were in long gowns the men were in black tie they looked so regal against that backdrop yep. as we were walking to palazzo vecchio and the entire piazza della signoria i felt a little down market in my blue blazer and tie i know but well, I actually, funny story, <laughs> funny side story. I had on like, I can't wear a high heel, but I had on these platform dressy sandals that had a very narrow sole. And as I was walking on these ancient medieval stones, I'm like, mm, try to act like you're used to this. <laughs> My main focus was do not tip, do not fall over. And I made it the entire evening. Thanks. Ooh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> So the art opening of Lolita's paintings was in a gallery room, or as a sala, as they call it in Italian, on the ground floor of Palazzo Vecchio. It is a stunning, stunning room with vaulted ceilings made of brick. And all I kept thinking was that brick in an interior can last as long as stone. So for all we know, Tommaso, that brick vaulted ceiling in that sala, in that gallery, could be the original, and Palazzo Vecchio was started in 1299 and finished in 1314. Oh. Right? I mean, I'm sure they have to replace the mortar, etc., but that was old and stunning and beautiful. And then they had some walls below painted in this deep, deep green, and they had projections, photos, and video of Lolita in like the Boboli Gardens. Yeah, on the ceiling on, on, and the vaults. Oh, uh, it, it, was, was, it was beautiful. It was really impressive. I have some of those. Do you have some? I do indeed. Let's post those on Instagram. Okay. A couple. So this Mostra, the art show, as I mentioned, was so dramatically lit that it made you see that architecture, those vaulted ceilings even more. And then on top of it, it was so elegant with everyone dressed so well the color palette, the lighting, everything was stunning. The only little hiccup was it was also very, very warm. No air, no AC. <laughs> there was no airflow, oh. no air conditioning. Oh. However, let's state this. This is what stuck out to me. Italians are used to no air conditioning. They're fine with no air conditioning. They were the only ones that did not show one little bead of perspiration, not one little drip of sweat, 
Those gentlemen had on full suits, ties, you name it. And they looked as if they were in the middle of a, you know, cool winter day. (laughs) Absolutely no problem. The rest of us were fanning ourselves with the brochures. Mm -hmm. We started out slowly at the beginning, not to make a scene. And then I turned and looked at Kate, who's British. I looked over at her and she's like, (laughs) 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 we were so hot. But there were a lot of speeches by the directors of every major museum in Firenze and cultural organizations. There was the woman from the Filipino delegation and the new U.S. Consul General, whom I introduced myself to afterward, and she was absolutely lovely. But during all of these speeches, the rest of us were just slowly melting. (laughs) Well, all the Italians spoke, and I understood nothing. And one could have said they all spoke, said the same thing. Who knew? True. They... They kind of did say the same thing. They were all complimenting Lolita's dedication to the arts and culture of Firenze and her lifelong career of painting. And she had about 50 or 60 paintings. And let me just say, to give you an idea of the scale, the ceilings were probably 25 feet and the, the sala was broken up by these portable vertical walls. And it was probably... 50 to 60 yards long and 10 or 20, no, it would be 20 or 30 yards deep. So there was a lot of people in there. It there was, were hundreds it, it was of people. Packed. It was packed. And it all it came was... because we were there. Oh, for peace's sake. <laughs> <laughs> because of Lolita. So eventually I went outside for some air because I was going to pass out if I didn't get it. And I saw Gracie's <laughs> husband, Tommy, sitting outside in the restaurant across the piazza. I've done a lot of sailing with Tommy and, you know, sailors sort of gravitate towards one another. So he was there with his little son sleeping on his three years old, completely schnockered, like jet lagged. Just, yeah, jet lagged. And we had a beer and, you know, we made a comment on this particular setting. He had actually not been to his in law's place before, or Florence in general, or Florence in general. And we were just sitting there having a beer and made a comment. It was a little bit different from our post-race beers. <laughs> Your normal we post-race beer. Sweating and all salty. <laughs> anyway, we weren't in that boatyard or sitting on sailbags in the back of a boat van. Right. But instead, sitting in a piazza from 1300, looking at Palazzo Vecchio with the Davide replica, the Fountain of Neptune, and then all those well-dressed Italians we saw before we're now walking across the piazza. Again, hundreds of people in ball gowns and black ties. That's when I exited. I was like, look at this. It looked like a movie set. I actually, s- I actually felt like Giorgio Clooney. I mean, I was well-dressed, walking around. A lot of people you in T-shirts. You just like him. A lot of people in T-shirts. <laughs> I know. I'm just I was, kidding. I was very happy. I walked out at that exact moment and saw all those, well, not exact same people, but the same amount of people who had been so elegantly dressed before going into one part of Palazzo Vecchio. And now it appeared they were going to another ristorante or somewhere up the way from Piazza della Signoria. It was such a visual, just Italian fashion, high-end dress at its best in that piazza. Yes. It was a visual I will not forget for a very long time. It was really nice to participate in it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So after that, um, 
everyone started to walk toward the river where we were having a big dinner afterward. But Grace had to go get something from the apartment and she asked me if I wanted to come. I was like, see, because I had never been there. So she and I ran back into their building in Piazza della Signoria. Did you go through that big door? We did. (laughs) That was my favorite. This is one of the largest doors that opens from top to bottom without the cutout like we've been in a million times. And this door, you just push it open and you look up and you're like, wow, so happy those things still exist. So that was like my thrill of the day to go through that door. Then we went up this old little rickety elevator to the top floor, which is maybe four four stories tall. And she had to pick up whatever she was getting. And I walked out and saw the view of Palazzo Vecchio and Piazza della Signoria for the first time in my life from above. That right there was just a, a gem of a moment. I was so grateful. Then we go back down the rickety elevator, open the big door again, <laughs> and kind of a vec pace, you know, with How hard was the door to open? It was significant, but doable. Right. It just felt so good. It was so great. So we went on a fast clip down to the Arno River to the Societa Canottieri, which means the rowing club. And this rowing club of Florence was founded in 1886. And it's right below the building the Uffizi Galleries in on the Lungarno, which we've mentioned before. The Lungarno, the length of the Arno, is the area between the riverbed of the Arno River and the stone walls on the edge of the city. So by the time Grace and I got into the interior of the rowing club, then walked through it, which was typical, like any kind of yacht club, rowing club, it was beautiful, but cavernous because it's in the stone, kind of. And it was cavernous, but it also... You know, it had a lot of flags and and exactly. and, and, and like rolling shells, exactly. like the yacht club, and and oars. And, and the fl- you know, there was a lot of history there. And the flags, yes, Florence, and etc. When Grace and I exited the rowing club's interior, it was one of those scenes that I have always wanted to be in. This is what I saw: the pergola to the right covered in some type of very lush vine for October. And this pergola was covered with white lights hanging on strands from end to end, kind of looping. And it was a very long pergola. And in between the pergola with the lights and the river was the longest table, very, very long table covered in white tablecloth, gold placemats, Orchids, flowers scattered amongst the endless candles in glass, water glasses, wine glasses, wine bottles, glass water bottles, on and on. This long table just beautifully busy with so much stuff, but it was so inviting and it made me instantly happy to be part of it. Look, I've been in some really wonderful places in the world yacht club events and sailing events, whether it's the America's Cup or some super yacht series or when we were in Sardinia, mm-hmm. I pinched myself. I know, on the Arno River, <laughs> right. right? By the time I got my way down there to where I was seated, I found Tommaso kind of 
diagonal to me at the end, you had the biggest smile on your face I've seen in a very long time. Well, I'm used to sitting at a table for 60 with diplomats. <laughs> it's something I enjoy. <laughs> Oh, geez. Anyway, there were, speaking of, there were so many nationalities at this table, so many languages. And then again, we're on the Arno River. And behind my back was the river. And the water was reflecting the lights from the buildings on the Oltrano side. And yet to our left, to the west, was the back of the original buildings of Ponte Vecchio, which was built in 1345. And I kept pointing that out to Kate, Beppe, and Oleandro. I was like, that is a medieval bridge. 1345 that was built. And we're sitting here looking at it. Think about how many people have walked over have that, walked over that, sold their goods over it. Remember, it used to be like a meat market. The meat, but all, all the scraps would go into the, exactly. the, the river. So when I took all of that into account historically and then visually, I just kept thinking that entire night, this is a a one-of-a-kind experience. It was. It was. And the food, it was absolutely fantastic. It was, which I was not prepared for at at a rowing club. Well, normally clubs, particularly yacht clubs, don't have great food. Some do and some don't. Correct. And they... Okay, you're in Italy. Exactly. First of all. What was I thinking? You know, <laughs> you're not in the Sarasota yacht squadron. <laughs> okay, and it was served family style, and the wine was just—it was like there was whenever your glass got down to the you know the last quarter inch, ah, bang. Let me top that off. There was somebody there. There was large platters of different pastas, all of which were very delicious because I couldn't. You know, I had to force myself to sample them just for this podcast. Mm -hmm. The things I do for you. (laughs) And they served a very large tortellini. Those were amazing. The lightest ricotta. Oh, I think it had lemon in it as well. They were large. You just had to have one. You cut into it with a knife. It was like heaven in your mouth. And then there was a pasta with a meat ragu, which Mm -hmm. I had to try, of course. Mm -hmm. I had to force myself again. Well, I actually had the second or third pasta they served, which was had fresh tomato, a little picante arrabbiata. And don't forget, they started the evening with a carpaccio appetizer, which all of you meat eaters ate again. I just had the Florentine bread, which is without salt, which I actually prefer. Excellent Tuscan and Chianti wines they served. It was a dream meal in a dream location. Probably never to be repeated. Well, I may, I may maybe, end up at another not. nice yacht club somewhere in my life, but you know, that was just a magical evening. And to top it off, we were with great friends. Exactly. And, and particularly Frank and Lolita. I've been sailing with Frank since 1996, five or something. Mm-hmm. And here you are, 20 something years exactly. later. On the Arno River with this great, wonderful friend. Well, can I just ask one question before we finish this up? Yep. Did they serve tiramisu at, at the, the end? end of yes, that? they did. Yes, and they it did. was delicioso. It was del- yes, it was delicioso. And I sat next to a very funny Brit with oh, a ponytail. Oh, my God. He was awesome. He was awesome. And he was 
he had that typical British sense of humor. And he had this very sculpted mustache and beard yes, yes. and a ponytail. And he lived right across the Arno and he talked to us about that. And he was- He was fantastic. He there was, were so many people from so many nationalities. It was fantastic. And I was seated next to the older Italian couple who are originally both from Puglia. And they had a house down the Arno on the... Oh, the woman who was dressed in the down jacket. Yes, exactly. Yes, because Puglia is down in the south, so that they're accustomed to very warm, warm weather. So Florence to them is like, you know, the North Pole, (laughs) right? They both had on down jackets and vests and everything. And we're like, still getting over our sweat from the Palazzo Vecchio. It was such an... Fantastic evening. I just want to say one thing. That gentleman from Britain ordered a wonderful Brunello. At the end. At the end. Everyone was starting to leave. And he also was a member of the rowing club. Right. So he had a little clout. Yep. And he signaled to one of the staff, hello, could I please have a bottle of Brunello 2014? Whatever it was. And you and I and like two other people were the lucky recipients of yes. that bottle. Yep. And then they were literally taking the tablecloths off a, off yep. our table and we had to like shoot back our last sip and go. Yeah, they had to kick our tokus out of there because we were we wanted to hang out. It was that that type of evening where you didn't want to leave. Yeah, exactly. But we did. And then we left there and went back to our palazzo, just the five of us. And here's a funny little side story. I was looking at my pictures on my phone. The last pictures I took of the dinner itself and all of you hanging around talking after the dinner was like 11.37 p.m. Then the five of us walked back to our palazzo over Ponte Vecchio. And when we got there, we're like, oh, right. There's those bottles of Amarone that Francesca left us with brand new wine glasses. And so we thought, oh, why not? The last pictures I have on my phone from that night are from 2.17 a.m. I actually went to bed a little earlier than you. Lightweight. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I I have my reasons, Pumpkin. It's all right. It was proof that we did not want that evening to end. And as I've mentioned before, as Tommaso just said, we've been friends with Frank and Lolita's family for almost 30 years. So it was an honor to be part of that magical evening in Firenze. And it was great to have Kate there. Because exactly. Kate was the first, one of the first female captains that I, actually the only female captain I ever raced with. And she ran a pretty tight ship. And it was great to have her there because she was such a big part of the whole experience over all those years, whether it was in the Mediterranean, the Caribbean, or or up here in Newport. Sardinia, everywhere. All right. E basta. That's the end of our short but sweet stay in Firenze. And as Tommaso mentioned earlier, we will not have an episode next week because we just need a break and have to pick up on a lot of other things. However, thank you all for listening, for your comments, for your reviews, and please, please do subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on Apple if you listen on that platform. That would be very helpful, and we'd thank you. You know, it'd be wonderful Christmas present to us. Oh, that's cute. I'd also have a little shout out here to the island of Guernsey in the UK, an island of 1,100 people. 
I don't know who you are over there, but you've but downloaded, you're awesome. You've downloaded a ton of of. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you sit around and drink beer and listen to us. I don't know, but thank you so much because we have this new platform for hosting and we can basically tell the city where you are and we don't know who you are, but the Island of Guernsey, thank you for all those downloads. One of 1,100 people likes us, so maybe a couple. It could thank be you. a whole family. Yeah, grazie mille. Grazie mille. E buon Natale. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and speak to you right after Christmas. Ciao, ciao. Buon Natale. Bravo. Ciao, ciao tutti.